Hey y'all, welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods, local hour, three-parter coming up today on this very program. We kick things off, go to Big Orange Friday with Ryan Shumpert. We talked about the Ricky Gibson and uh, Jordan Matthews commitments from earlier this week. We talked about uh, what to expect uh, in the pick game in a couple weeks. We talked about uh, Tennessee not making the top 25 in the early eight people. Smoky Gray return uniforms, uh, Christian Charles, and why he'll be a significant factor in the secondary early on next year. And then uh, a little Tennessee basketball recruiting update with uh, Freddie DeLone, uh, four-star kid out of North Carolina, committing to Rick Barnes and the Tennessee basketball team uh, this week as well. So a lot of fun stuff, talking all things Tennessee, as always, at this time. Uh, three-parter uh, on the local hour here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So very excited for that as we kick things off. Tennessee, then Preds Power Hour after this, and Atlanta Sports Guys to wrap up here on a Saturday. A uh, little bit of a delay today getting this, uh, getting these episodes up, so I apologize for that, but uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And as always, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. And then, of course, uh, read me, uh, Oak Ridge Recapper uh, from the Oak Ridge South Doyle game, now up on sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com so type in your email and check us out there and then uh, of course if you are a subscriber of the Chase Most Podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network we greatly appreciate it but also uh, if you could please leave this show a 5 star rating and a review if you are an Apple Podcast or Spotify subscriber we would greatly appreciate it it helps other people find the show and it's the easiest way to help this very show continue to grow alright Uncle Darren let's go Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on Go Big Orange Friday. You guessed it on a Friday here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Ryan Shumpert, Rocky Top Insider, is here. Ryan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, glad to be back on here talking, and even I was going to say gladder. That's not a word, but even more glad to be uh, just 13 days away from the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, we're right there, man. It's it's pretty wild um, that we're this close. Uh, drove by it today, was on campus for a graduate uh, type thing, uh, fair. And I'm not going to lie, Ryan, one of my weakest moments as a man came today where I'm pulling into my like, so I have the parking sticker and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I'm going to go in one of the sea lots and I was pulling in, right? And I uh, pulling in, realized that like, do you know right by the communications building you know there's the the roundabout right but before that Uh there's another lot that's pretty common right i forgot what it's called um right across from stokely and i am moving in that direction and i back up because i realize when i get up there and i'm an suv big car that i'm like i could try and fit into this like one spot or I could just back all the way out of the entire lot and just move right up to the communications roundabout. And that's what I decided to do. But like there's someone who is watching me back out with an open spot right there. Me back all the way out and like do this weird curve like a backwards out. It was it was a whole thing, man. But I was just like, I don't trust it. Uh, I'm just too close, too big. And I'm worried that someone's going to hit my door. And my only options because it's so tight getting around there. Yeah. It's like I can't really go. To, I, I didn't feel good about it. Didn't feel it in my gut that that was going to go well. And I didn't want to do the whole Michael Scott where he just like backs in and he's like, oh, not going to fit there. And he just <laughs> drives away. <laughs> I wasn't about to do that. So, you know, that's what happened. 
that lot's a disaster from a, a small spaces standpoint. But from that standpoint, I mean, almost a lot have very small spaces, <clears throat> maybe a little bit smaller there. But just maneuvering through that lot, like if you go all the way through and you got to make that kind of turn back towards the left to get out of there, big car, you got you got no chance. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought it was narrow, great. Okay, narrow, I feel better now. Yeah. I feel better that like it's not built for big cars. Like that I've lot gotten, is just. I've gotten nervous driving through it in my, my Nissan Rogue. So, you know, no, uh, no shame for me, at least towards your situation. There you go. I mean, last night at Sevier County, uh, people were parking all over the place on the sidewalk, on the grass. It was full, dude. And I like pulled in there and I'm like, what is happening? Like it was packed, packed. And I, I didn't feel good about my spot. I didn't feel good about where I was putting. I was like, I'm going to come back and there's just going to be a full on side swipe. Like there's just going to be a side swipe and I'm just going to see black paint all down my car and I'm going to lose it. But no, it actually worked out on the there field. We go. A lot of fun. Uh, Sevier County. Football. Dude, it's a pretty park. Like it's a, it's it's a, a beautiful, view. beautiful football field and stadium. It's uh, it's one of my favorite. I've only been there once. William Blunt played out there, I guess, two years ago now, and I covered mm. the game. And it's one of my favorite stadiums I've been to in East Tennessee. Yeah, for sure. So if you're in Sevierville uh, over like a weekend, you're like, hey, I'm looking for something to do <clears throat> on a Friday night. It's a good thing to do. Go check out the Smoky Bears. Um, it's a fun time. Absolutely. There you go. Uh, I'll be at South Doyle Oak Ridge. Are you going to do any high school coverage this year? Or are you just like, that's over for me? No, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it at least, you know, a handful of games. I'm going out to Clinton tonight to, to watch William Blunt actually uh, first, uh, first game, a new coach. Um, I know his name. I'm blanking on it. had it sent to me, but uh, I'll be uh, watching the dawn of the new era in William Blunt football tonight out, out at Clinton. They have a good uh, quarterback. I think Blunt, right? Didn't they get, didn't they, they get one? Well, I do think they have a new one. They had a kid last year um, who was pretty good for him, and he transferred. I want to say maybe Farragut. That could be wrong, but they're huh. running. He was a very much. He was good. He was very much a pocket pocket passer. And their new coach they brought in to run the wing tee, so kind of made sense that he wanted to go play somewhere else. Do you know who else it runs the wing tee in East Tennessee football? Ryan Shumpert on the high school level. Who's that? Pigeon Forge. Really? Okay. There, he's a he's a wing tee guy. Been on this program. About a month or two ago. Yeah. Nice. He lives and dies by the wing T. Nice. I feel like it used used to be way more popular. At least in, I, I, yeah. Tennessee was a big wing T state. Like growing up watching high school football games, like maybe not half probably over dramatic, but it was not odd at all to see the wing T. And now it's kind of a huge abnormal, uh, abnormal thing to see when you see it. a high school offense, a high school team running the wing T. Power T, get that out of here. We're wing T. Like, this is oh, a wing yeah. T state. People forget, like, power T, power T. That's what we're all focused on. No, it's all about that wing T. Uh, pass downfield, not on our watch. Not nope. going to happen. Um, well, there you go. There's your high school update report on uh, <laughs> East Tennessee high school football. Uh, but, you know, I know the listeners, and I know we actually have a lot of East Tennessee folks. So go out, uh, support high school football on Friday nights. Um, we have some Tennessee football to get into, Ryan, because since our last pod last Friday, uh, Tennessee landed two big-time recruits, not one, not two. We were going at it like, you just want one or two. Like, if yeah. you get one out of two, then you're feeling pretty good. They end up getting Gibson, uh, the Alabama kid, four-star corner over Georgia. They also get four-star corner out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and beat Texas four. 
uh, Jordan Matthews, who had, I think he revealed to Austin uh, VolQuest that like he had known for a while um, and was just going to sit and wait on it and do his own reveal. And it was Tennessee for a while. And he kind of kept going to Texas because he wanted to reaffirm that Tennessee felt different. That one visit and everything else that was like, okay, that's just not the same. And Tennessee's the spot for me. Um, when you look at both of those impacts, were they both surprises for you? And who do you think uh, is more like to uh, sign on December? Who do you think is, uh, or do you think they both sign? I, I think they both sign, you know, okay. one. Um, you know, if I'd said, which one would you be more concerned about for a flip? Uh, I'd probably say Gibson just because huh. Georgia's, you know, Georgia's in on it. And, you know, the, the Jordan Matthews one. Now, I wasn't surprised by Gibson. I was surprised by Jordan Matthews. And it kind of, not to say he couldn't, you know, visit or go somewhere else, but the fact that Tennessee survived the multiple visits to Texas uh, for him to kind of reaffirm uh, it, it, that feels really solid, you know, and not to say Gibson's doesn't, but anytime Georgia's pushing for a kid, I think you have a little bit of concern there. And look, I think as Gibson and then Sham Umarov, to me, those two gets are, are so impactful just from, it's not beating Tennessee, beating Georgia, beating Alabama, beating Ohio State, Clemson, any of these top recruiting teams is going to be a really big challenge. And I wouldn't say things were completely even uh, with those two kids because I think Tennessee was, for both those kids, Gibson and uh, Sham, were, were in way longer uh, going after them hard than Georgia was in that full recruitment. But I do think that's a really good sign for Josh Heupel that Kirby Smart and that coaching staff can't come in in three weeks to a month which I think was kind of the case for both those kids and put on the full court press and, you know, overcome what Tennessee had been doing for six months in recruiting. I think that's a huge kind of first step towards Tennessee getting back to being able to compete with the best of the best in recruiting is making sure these guys that you spent time on and they try to come in late, you land them in. And I think that was huge. In Gibson's case, his last visit was to Georgia. Both those kids, their last visits weren't to Tennessee. And obviously Texas isn't, on the field doesn't have the pedigree that Georgia has in recent years, but our recruiting class they have right now is really, really good. So to me, those were both really impressive gets. And when you look at Tennessee's defensive back, uh, the commits they had in the 2023 class, they had a lot of safeties. You felt good there. You get Christian Conyer, uh, the corner out of Kentucky. That was a longtime target. You felt good, but you needed a few more bodies at, at corner. And to get those, those two guys, I mean, I think Tennessee ended up landing probably three of their top four if, you know, maybe five or six, but really to me, Shaquem Jackson's the other guy that stands out. Those seemed like for a long time were the four corners that Tennessee was really targeting and for Tennessee to land three of them, I think that's huge. Interesting. I'm also just, so when you look at the rest of this class, so it's very heavy defense, like a lot more defensive players in this class uh, than offensive players. The one thing we're left to is like what defensive line and offensive line and offensive tackle. Like what are, what, else is out there who are the last remaining targets for tennessee to fill out because we're down to what just a couple of uh spots open for this class yeah and that's the thing that's a little bit different now i think they're at maybe 21 yeah I say 21 commits right now and you know typically you think all right you got four more spots to that 25 number but that 25 number is gone it's yeah you just got to stay under the 85 and we know tennessee right now is under the 85 they have been since the evacuation of players after Pruitt was fired, we know uh, that I think the loss of scholarships is something that they you know, self-imposed last year, even though it was going to mm-hmm. happen either way. Uh, I think the one thing you look at there, you wonder, is the NC 
NCAA when that punishment comes. Is, is a lack of is a loss of scholarships part of it? I think that would make sense. But if not, you know, Tennessee's got room to take more than twenty five guys. And I do think right now there aren't, you know, a ton of names. I feel like the guys we've heard for a while, not all of them, but most of them, uh, have kind of made their decisions and wanted to make their decisions before their senior year of high school. I think what you'll see now, Tennessee continuing to recruit a lot of kids uh, who went elsewhere, Lucas Simmons being one that really stands out. And then high school season start this weekend, they're going to start evaluating tape, uh, figuring out, kind of reassessing their board is my my guess, and offensive tackle, I think, will be a big position there as I think they want another body at that spot. But I think you're kind of at that part where it's a little bit of a reset in the recruiting calendar. A lot of – tons of guys made their decision before their senior year of high school. Now you have the guys that haven't, and I think Tennessee's going to be doing a lot of uh, evaluation of those guys and, and trying to figure out with whether it's these last four spots or they have room to go for more and add, you know – 28, 30 guys in this class figure out exactly who they want and get ready for a push uh, late in November and then obviously before the early signing period in December. Interesting. Um, Ryan, when you look at um, the preseason poll, AP top 25, Tennessee left out. The Josh Pate poll, though, uh, has Tennessee. I was just saying that the JP poll. Yeah, so we're people are saying like that's the actual poll that we uh, we we go with on this program. Um, but when you look at that, was that a surprise to you? Does that ultimately matter? Uh, was there one that really just felt a little egregious to see Tennessee over uh, or this team over Tennessee? I will say, I hope Tennessee fans though, because this is something I've just noticed with talking to a lot of folks and they just have penciled in the pick game as a win. And I yeah. mean, when you got like, it's just very strange the way that fans are talking about Pitt and going up to Pittsburgh and playing uh, just a really good pit team who might be back in the ACC title game this year. Um, like, yeah, you lose Jordan Addison, but they might have their next Aaron Donald on the defensive line uh, who looks like he's going to be a first rounder next year. They have a good defensive line. We have questions about the Tennessee offensive line right now that like, I just, People are so focused on Florida that I'm like, can we can we get through Pitt? Like Pitt's, I think, 16th in the AP poll. Like they are ranked. Uh, Florida's not. Like Pitt's a good football team, and that's something that stands out to me. Is like, can we talk about like that? Is an important, really, really difficult game on this Tennessee calendar this year that I don't think we thought was going to be the case a couple of years ago. But um, what do you make of Tennessee being left out, and does that ultimately matter? Uh, no, it doesn't ultimately matter. Wasn't surprised that they were left out. You know, I thought. I think they're 26. You know, that's, I think, kind of been the range for a lot of rankings. Uh, the back back half of the top 25 or being right, left out. If anything, I think it's a good thing. You know, it just doesn't put the pressure, you know, on you to start the season. I think can maybe allow Tennessee to, to slide under the radar a little bit more, though. They're 26, and by the time they head to pit week two, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're ranked. Um, when you look at people ahead of them, that's the thing about to make these rankings so hard. To me, you got a you got a top maybe seven or eight that are clearly you got you got a top three to me that are clearly the best three teams, and then you probably got a second group of five more teams, and then after that, I mean, from nine, ten to thirty, is there more of a than a five point difference in these teams? I don't really think so, personally. I mean, I think it's very very tight. So, um, I'm not surprised. That's why I don't think it's a big deal. When I look at, you know, anyone that really stands out being surprised ahead of them, I mean, nothing crazy. Ole Miss, uh, I've been a little bit surprised by that they've been a consistent, you know, kind of 
or right around number 20 team. I expect them to take a little bit more of a step back. I think they'll probably end up uh, not being ranked for most of the season. I picked them, I think, sixth in my preseason uh, predictions in the SEC West uh, back at media days. And then the other one, not that Tennessee should be ahead of them, but I do not to discount anything you just said about the game, because I think everything you said about the game is accurate about the Pittsburgh game, but 16, just, it feels high to me. It, it really does. Hmm. And, and again, it's there's not a huge gap in these teams. So maybe it's a lot of nitpicking by me, but this is a team last year that was good, but for the majority of the year, I would imagine was ranked 10 to 15 in that range. And you're telling me the team that lost their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback and Jordan Addison is just going to be, you know, basically just as good, you know, a point worse. I don't really buy that. I think Pitt's going to be good. I think they 100% that game is probably pretty close to a toss-up, uh, I would say, the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game. But to have them that high with what they have to replace on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I think is is probably a little high. That's fair. Um We'll see what happens, though. We'll see. I'm just excited to, to watch it happen. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be fun. It, September's going to be a fun, fun time. Uh, maybe a horrible time. I don't know. Well, actually, no. No matter what, it's awesome because I'm getting married in between uh, the Pitt and Florida game. But, uh, yeah, no, a lot going on in September, Ryan Shumpert. Uh, a lot on the play, a lot on the docket uh, for September. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what ultimately happens. I also will say, like, the ones is just egregious, and we just see this all over the place. Like, you saw Chris Doering putting 11 and one uh kentucky uh on yeah. the network but i will say we stand chris for making tennessee the lone loss on the kentucky calendar so uh it's uh as crazy as it is as kentucky going both 11 and one and also beating georgia this year where they're going to be probably two minimum dogs uh even at home against georgia like they're they're not beating georgia they that's just one it's not happening a b Tennessee and people are going to point to the fact that they went into Knoxville in the Garantano game where he threw like 19 picks in a row. And I think you put in, didn't JT Stroud go in and immediately throw a pick when he got inserted? First pass, uh, first pass yeah. yeah. Following, it was a four possession streak. Yes. Tennessee fumbled a handoff, pick six, pick six, interception <laughs> where Kentucky got the ball inside Tennessee's 30 yard line. The Jeremy Pruitt era crumbled before our eyes on it mid-october uh poor garantana man that was like because it was so awkward because there's obviously uh limited capacity in that one and you could just hear just the strong garantana booze and it was just like 37 people in this coliseum just really letting them have it it was it was a weird weird time and that was just rough and i don't miss that whatsoever um but i just Kentucky's not going to be better than Tennessee. Like they're not going to be favored on the road at Tennessee. And we look at it and you're like, yeah, well, Kentucky's got a better schedule. I think that's just about it. It's like Kentucky has a better schedule. But if I read like, oh, an electric offense in Kentucky and it's like electric, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I'm not worried. I don't think Tennessee's worried about Kentucky coming into Knoxville uh, this fall. I don't think that's uh, it's a big concern there. Um, something that is a big concern though, Ryan Shumpert, the Smoky Grays are back for good. Like based on yeah. the rollout, like these are not just like a gimmick type thing. Like Smoky Grays are going to be in the rotation every year, right? That's what it makes it sound like. I mean, four year plan to wear them three different Smoky Grays. I mean, the ones they're wearing this year, the ones they wore back with Butch Jones yeah. uh, was Tennessee's coach. And then the next three years, it sounds like they're going to be three different Smoky Gray uniforms all three years. 
Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, you know, I'm kind of neutral. I'm neutral on the jerseys. Jerseys are fine. Mm. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're bad. What I dislike, disdain, I don't get the need for two alternate jerseys. I Choose gray or choose black. Hmm. I want, and if you want to wear it, wear them once a year, that's great. Wear them a second time. I guess I'm not going to complain too much. No, I'm not going to like it. But when you look at it, and, and this year is a little bit better because you, you go on the road to LSU and you're going to get to wear your orange jerseys. But let's put that aside. Let's say this is one of the 11 years that Tennessee's not playing LSU at LSU. You got four SEC games on the schedule. You got four big-time home football games inside Neyland Stadium. And you're not going to be wearing orange jerseys for half of them? That that rubs me the wrong way, personally. And again, this year it's a little bit it's a little bit different because you're going to get to wear them at LSU. If you have a game like Pittsburgh at home, that's another big game where you can wear. Uh, so you have three big games at home where you're wearing orange uniforms. But uh, I just I hope. It Wait, doesn't. how many games are they? They're only doing this way series once this year, right? I'm sure they'll wear the blacks a game. A game. Do too, we? Oh, they haven't announced that though. Do we think the blacks are? I thought that was out. No, I think the blacks are still in. I think I think oh. they'll wear both. That's that's my that's my whole point, I guess I should say. But they haven't announced that. Are we sure? Like, are we getting the white helmets with the black uniforms again, or are they would they put the black helmets now finally with the the black uniforms? I don't know. That's a good question. But I expect Tennessee to will wear the black uniform. My guess right now. Interesting. Let's get the date: August (laughs) nineteenth, Friday, August nineteenth, Big Orange Friday. Tennessee is wearing the gray uniforms against Florida, the black uniforms against Kentucky. That's my prediction. Ooh, I would like lock in gray versus Florida. Like that's like just go ahead and lock that in stone. Like they're just looking at it as like, when was the last time we beat Florida? The Smoky Grays at home. Yeah, all right, yeah. we're we're doing that. Josh Dobbs needs to be on the sidelines. I don't know what his Cleveland schedule is that weekend, um, but we need Dobbs in the gray gray jersey on the sideline for that one for good luck. Yeah, and again, this is nitpicky by me, oh, but no. I have a little bit. I have a little bit of beef with the fact that the last. Tennessee's best home win the last 10 years, the game everybody loves showing highlights of the 2016 Florida game. I hate the fact that they're wearing gray uniforms in that. Oh, wow. I, want, I want them to be wearing orange uniforms. I want, if we're showing Tennessee's big performance, I want to see, I want to see the orange, but am I talking again, to grandpa Shumpert or am I talking yeah, to Ryan Shumpert here? Old, I'm an old curmudgeon with, mm-hmm. with that take an old geezer. Dude, you're uh, like, no. you could hold court at Litton's with this take. Like you walk around and you just bang your table and you're just like, what? Not enough orange. Not enough orange and white. I cannot believe they're not. They're wearing the smoky grays in the best moment in Tennessee football over the last decade. Can't do it. And they're all like, yeah, absolutely. And I say all that to say, no, I don't say all that to say. With all that said, mm-hmm. I don't actually care. I mean, it's. I, don't walk it back, Ryan. You definitely care. That was so specific. You see a highlight. I'm going to send you one a day now. I think this needs to be a bit. Ethan, uh, get on this as well, where we just send you some highlights of Tennessee football and the Grays. Because I, I think that's genuine. I don't think you like that. The I don't think you like the Smoky Rays, and I think you definitely don't like that it. They wore them on an important Saturday in Knoxville. I will say, I again, I d- disagree. I do not dislike the Smoky Grays. I'm neutral towards the Smoky Grays. I'm neutral toward the Blacks. They look fine. They're good-looking mm-hmm. uniforms. Sure, they don't look as good as the orange, but that's none of my business. But I, I, that is true. I don't, I don't know if I'd say I really dislike the fact that they wore them in a big game that they won. But if you're going to show me highlights from 26, if you're going to show me highlights from Tennessee beating Florida in 2022, in 2026, 
I would like Tennessee be, to be wearing orange uniforms and not gray uniforms. And you I, think know what, I would like enough. to just beat Florida, Ryan. And if yeah. we have to wear smoky grays to beat Florida at home, then that's what you're going to do. Like you're, that is what you're going to do. That's where I'm at with it. If smoky gray uniforms help you win the game, go take the orange uniforms and you go set them on fire and then you go toss them in the Tennessee River and you never wear them again. But personally, you could just toss them in the Tennessee River and never wear them again uh, with that uh, water. I don't know know if you want to put those back on after (laughs) taking a dip in the Tennessee River. I don't know, man. As a non-superstitious person, I did yeah. not think that. that you are a little stitious. You're a Maybe little stitious. I did note that Tennessee's doing, I think they're going to start doing it every year. At least that's the way they made it sound. These champions weekends where they honor every team that won a championship in the past year and then like the anniversary. So the five-year, 10-year, mm. 20, 25-year. So as a maybe a little bit stitious person, I have run the numbers. That is the Kentucky weekend this year. 25-year anniversary of the 1997 SEC championship team. Peyton Manning is probably going to be in the house. So Peyton Manning curse takes on Kentucky's inability to beat Tennessee and Knoxville, and we have an immovable object. (laughs) Do we know the last time... Do we know the last time Tennessee won a a game with Peyton Manning in attendance? Do we actually have a definitive debate on that? No, I I don't have one. And I have for the (laughs) longest time been a... The Manning curse, like, that's so stupid people should be revering Peyton Manning for the fact that he watch every time he comes to watch his alma mater, who's been terrible for a decade. Anytime he comes to watch him play, they lose. And he still comes year after year. He's this much of a BFL. He loves his team this much. Like you people need to be grateful that you have an alum this. Oh, wow. Big time. But when you like this, you had the the Georgia state loss. Yeah. You have the number one, the baseball team being amazing all year. He was there for Notre Dame. Yep. Just getting killed in the game. He was at. That was the Friday game, wasn't it? That was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's made me start to backpedal off that take a little bit. I have to admit, maybe, maybe there is something to it. Do you think he knows about it? He has to know about that. Oh, he has to know about it. Yeah. I think he knows about it. I wonder what he thinks. Cause he's, I mean, the sense of humor. I wonder if he's like, yeah, my bad guys. Like, you know what he needs to do? is like someone needs to sit down Peyton and be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Like, if we want you, like, we love your support, all that good stuff. You can come for South Carolina at home. You can come for uh, Tennessee Tech at home. Like, let's just end this curse for a second. Like, have you on TV with a win and like move on, like get, and then we can revisit. Like, you that's, coming the Georgia, back. that's the Georgia State. He was at the Georgia State game. I know. And that was the and that was the other part of my argument for a long time. I was like, well, he usually comes to the big game. Like, he's mm-hmm. coming to Georgia. I think he was at Georgia this past year. I yes, say and like, well, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. Tennessee hasn't won a whole lot of big football games the last fifteen mm-hmm. years. But when he's at the freaking Georgia State game, and Tennessee still loses, yeah, that's uh, it makes you think. It makes you think. At some point, because a lot of Twi- Tennessee fans know on Twitter, like I, at some point he's going to walk around Knoxville and they're going to be shouting at Peyton, like, Peyton, what the hell are you doing here? Like, they're going to be pe- fans. Like, it's so important where it's like, can we pay for you to leave? Like, Peyton, we love you, but like, you need to go watch it at your, you have a bar. You own a bar here yeah. in Knoxville. Go watch it at the bar. Like, don't go in the building. Like, we just can't have you in here right now. I wouldn't be surprised if it's already happened. There you go. Um, we'll see. I hadn't considered. I just assumed dark mode was out, but whatever. Like, I think dark mode's fine if the black helmets, just the white helmets don't work with that uniform. But I will say, too, you know, it's weird. And uh, Will and I were talking about this yesterday on the Cotter Basketball show. 
like everything looks good with the baseball team. Like the black looks great. The grays look great. The cream is just my favorite baseball uniform. Just <laughs> top notch. The ball spot. Yeah. Mm, chef's Phenomenal. kiss over there. Um, but the basketball team can't do anything. Like grays don't look good for them. I don't know if the black would look great. The black and orange. I, I don't know. The basketball team kind of has to have your traditional orange and white. And we know Rick Barnes is about the orange and white and not going to go too much off there. But like, I don't think they can do that. They, none of it looks good to me on a basketball uniform. It's so weird. Yeah. And the smoky gray uniforms they did like wear mm. seven or eight years ago. Now I thought looked horrific to be honest, yeah. like the black stripe. And mm-hmm. I do wonder like if you, I love the template of the uniforms they have now with the Tennessee yeah. on the top number volunteer. Like, I think that looks phenomenal. I think it's the best of all the jerseys on Tennessee's campus. I think that those are two or, or maybe the best set and, hmm. and the orange ones honestly might be my favorite. The creams are really good too. So that, yeah. that's a lot of competition, but they look phenomenal. And I wonder if you did like a gray with that design, how it would look, hmm. but I'm not, you know, I'm an orange and white guy. I like it. I like knowing when Tennessee goes into a game, what they're going to wear. I think it's people don't come throw <laughs> eggs at my house for this, but I think it's so cool. Alabama, what what are we? What are you going to wear? You're going to wear crimson helmets. You're going to wear white pants. If they're at home, they're going to wear a crimson jersey. If they're on the road, they're going to wear a white jersey. It's simple. I think it looks. I think they're good looking uniforms. I think there's a kind of a simple swagger to it that I think the Tennessee basketball team carries as well with, uh, with their uniform set. Oh, I like it. Did not know we were going to go down a, ra- uh, a uniform rabbit hole, but I'm here. We've for gotten a, down a huge uniform rabbit hole. People care about this stuff though. This is, it's fine with me. Um, last thing on football. What, who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise starter in the ball state game? Now, who do you think Tennessee fans are going to be like, Whoa, he's starting. Who do you think that is? I don't think there's going to be one in the ball in the ball state game. To be honest, I think it'll okay. be a lot of status quo early on. I will say, my prediction by we'll say by Florida, I think you'll have Kamal Haddon and Christian Charles starting at corner, and okay. Ward Burrell not being a starter would probably be the bigger surprise there than either one of those guys. Um, but I think both those guys have been good. Kamal Haddon, we got to watch him one on one today in the red zone. He was fantastic uh, in that drill, and I, I think those guys are, are going to end up being Tennessee's. By the end of the year, I think they're going to play the most snaps uh, at corner of anybody. Hmm. Well, we also have Tamarian McDonald, who is going to start at star. Like, we thought it might be turn time, Wesley Walker, and it's just going to be Tamarian McDonald. Like, he's probably starting, right, Ball State? Yeah, I think so, uh, which maybe that that would be the surprise. But to me, there were so much questions about the, the, the star spot that, you know, no one really knew. And it, it felt like... A, uh, McDonald Walker battle and then Walker has been banged up this week and hasn't been practicing at least while we've been out there. So that seems to kind of, you know, truly open the door where I think it's probably going to be uh, McDonald almost certainly uh, with the first snap of the season, but that's a spot where, you know, Tennessee's talked about wanting to play more guys, especially on defense. I think you'll see, you know, a lot of different, at least, at least those two guys, if not turn time to um, really earn some, earn some snaps there. And it'll be a, a little bit more rotation than it was last year where, Theo Jackson was out there. If he was healthy, he was out there every play. This is going to be a fun exercise. All right. You're going to, this is rapid fire, Ryan. You ready? Okay. Starting strong safety against Pitt. Flowers. I guess McCullough is the strong safety flowers. Those are two safeties. safeties. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's going to be those two. Two starting corners, uh, three starting. Cause we're going to be in the nickel a lot. The three corners to get the most amount of snaps in the pit game. 
I'll go Burrell, Haddon, and McDonald. Okay. Two linebackers who will be starting in the pick game will be who? Starting Banks and Beasley, I think Mitchell gets more snaps than Beasley in the game, though. So we're not going to put Mitchell in the starting lineup yet. He's going to be just rotated in early on. I think he's going to be rotated in, but I think I think right now you'll see those those three guys probably play very similar snaps to to one another. Uh, and with my guess being Banks for sure playing a little bit more, and I think Mitchell will probably end up playing a little bit more than Beasley with, with Solon Page the third getting some snaps as well. We got Barron and Young on the edge. Like we, that's set. Who do you think? the top three defensive linemen used in the pick game will be? Um, Amari Thomas, for sure. I'll go... The other two, I think it's really uh, really fascinating. And I think it's that's kind of been a hard one to get a read on. I'll go Bryson Eason and... Dominic Bailey? I'll, Dominic Bailey is... I have three guys in my mind. I'm going to go Dejan Terry, though. Okay. It was Dominic Bailey... Terry and then Elijah Simmons were the three three guys that kind of stood out. Left tackle in the pick game will be who? Crawford will play more snaps or he'll play all of them. Uh, I don't think Mincy will win that job, but I wouldn't be surprised if they both played. One through three in terms of carries, who gets the top three carries in the pick game? Jabari Small, one, Jalen Wright, two, and I'll go Dylan Sampson, three. Okay. The most interesting one to me, because we don't know with Brew McCoy yet. Like, we still don't know if he's going to get cleared. Um, and that still just might take up... Like, we don't know. Who would you guess starts out wide, opposite of Cedric Tillman, and who lines up in the slot for Pitt? Jalen Jalen Hyatt in the slot, for sure. I think Brew McCoy, if healthy, or I mean, if eligible, he is, unless something changes, he's healthy right now. Um, but if he's not, and I think this maybe sound a little bit upset, or... Sorry to our guy, Ramel Keaton, I'm going Walker Merrill. I think well, if, if Brew McCoy is not eligible, I think Walker Merrill starts opposite of Cedric Tillman. I mean, once Garantano's career had ended, like that was it for Ramel Keaton. Like that was like Ramel's dude. Like those two, they had the connection. Like we talked about that. That's when we first knew each other, right? And that was a tradition yes. unlike any other is like, that was his jam. Like he loved finding Ramel Keaton. That was like his one go-to. He, Ramel had a lot of drops, unfortunately, but like Garantano liked Ramel Keaton and uh, has not been the same ever since. Yes. They, those two guys, there were a lot of targets and those two guys might not have thrown a ball to, to one another in the <laughs> offseason because the timing could not have been worse. <laughs> what a different time. Yeah, I think, but it's a good, like, people who might panic about the Walker stuff, I'm like, I think it'd be fine. And also, Javante Payton had how many targets last year total, like, at that spot? Like, they're not going to target that spot a crazy amount. Like, the targets will, I mean, if they follow the same formula they did last year, it's going to be the Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt show, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, Payton, I think, had 17 catches last year. I'm trying to go find. (laughs) And, like, half of them were touchdowns. Yes, and, like, half of them were touchdowns, and it, didn't seem like he had a ton of targets either besides that. So uh, I think you're right. Um, I think that's why this offense has become so intriguing. If you get Brew McCoy eligible is because I think Brew McCoy can uh, become a, a, a certified third guy who gets more targets, targets than that. And while we're in the Cedric Tillman talk and while we're, you know, I said, we got to watch him one-on-ones today in the red zone, Cedric Tillman just absolutely mossing, mossing people. I mean, it was, it was a sight to behold. 
I think he did two reps while we were watching it, and both of them were mosses on the on fade routes. We'll see. Eight, I, Eighteen catches for Peyton, not seventeen. Oh, I sh- incredible. I shortchanged him one. And I think I remember every single one. Like I think I remember every single. <laughs> I mean, he was the one who bro, did he break the one, or was that Velas the first play of the game against Kentucky? That was Peyton, wasn't it? That was Peyton. Yeah. yeah. Velas had the touchdown the next drive, seventy-five yeah. yard touchdown. But Peyton had first play. He was the first down. That first down touchdown guarantee. That guy. Who has the most catches in the slot this year? Hyatt, I Callaway, so. or Squirrel? Yeah, I think it's Jalen Hyatt, and I don't think it's close, to be honest. Uh, okay. Callaway, I've been, as I've said on here for a long time, I've been driving the bandwagon, but I'm starting to, the bandwagon's starting to leak a little bit of gas, uh, to be honest, entering the season. I think Squirrel White probably even ends up with more receptions than him, uh, but I, I think Jalen Hyatt's going to have a big year, and I think. Callaway's lack of consistency dealing with a little bit of an injury right now, coupled with the fact that Squirrel White's a 165-pound freshman, just make that one an easy easy bet. There you go. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here, Ryan. The basketball team, Freddie Deloney out of North Carolina, uh, four-star kid, combo guard. He commits to the Vols. What are the Vols getting in Deloney, and is this a pretty big win for Rick Barnes in this cycle? Yeah, I think it is. Um I think it's a really good get when you, one, just look at who Tennessee, you know, got them over. Virginia, Wake Forest, and then Alabama was the real big one. I think it kind of felt like Tennessee was in the driver's seat throughout the summer, and then his last visit was to Alabama. So that was certainly something you have to had to withstand. And I think he's, from everything I've seen, I, he's a guy I expect will get a, a bump in, in the next recruiting updates from most these sites. It seemed like he had a really good month of July. He plays on Adidas. Uh, Adidas AAU team on that Adidas circuit. It seemed like he was really, really good. So, uh, and then you know, from talking to a few people that have, have watched him, it's, he just seems like a Rick Barnes player. Uh, can combo guard probably better going to be off the ball in, in college if I had to guess, but can play on the ball, plays point guard at, at um, in high school in North Carolina. I think in Raleigh is where he's from, and then just a, a physical guard who's a good shot maker, really good uh, mid range, mid range game, uh, really. Headsy player, good passer. I think six four, really well built. Has the type of uh, build to really come in. I think be good on defense right away. Which obviously, as we know, if you're going to play for Rick Barnes or you're going to play defense, so I think it's a really good get. I think it's a get that's probably better than what the rankings say. And you know, Tennessee obviously not to act like losing. You know, losing out on Justin Edwards wasn't a huge deal because I think that was you know a guy they spent a ton of time in, and I think probably even led for a lot of it. And he's number two player in the country. So don't get me wrong, that's that's a huge guy. That, uh, it was huge that they weren't able to land him and Kentucky got him. But the two commits they have right now, uh, I think, are Cade Phillips being another one, I think are, are really good. I, th- I really like the formation of this class. And I think on top of those guys being good players, I think they're multi-year players. I think both those guys are here for or in Knoxville three to four years. And I think they are players that fit what Tennessee does uh, really well. I think these are good good program fits, which is can always be a hard thing to, to figure out recruiting. So I really like what Tennessee's done. We'll see uh, how things J.P. Estrella, the next guy making a decision, that kind of feels like now, you know, maybe a little more Syracuse, Iowa in there as well. But we'll see what else they do with the rest of the class. But I, I really like the foundation that they have as they go into the fall. Does he feel like a two-year player, two- to three-year player, or do you think he's a one-and-done? I think he's a two- to three-year player. And again, this, okay. I, I've only watched his highlights, but from talking to some people who have seen him a lot more, a lot more than me, uh, they say multi-year guy. 
Uh, I mm. would guess to me, he kind of feels like a three-year guy that kind of tr- traditional come in, play some your freshman year, second year, be a, a main player and third year, have a really good season and can go pro. That's kind of uh, the way I see that one going, but you know, I, I could be surprised. Uh, I think his athleticism combined with the fact that I think he's not a super polished three point shooter right now, uh, probably would make it hard for him to be a one and done. All right, there you go. Uh, Ryan, what can the good folks check out from you over at Rocky top insider this week? Yeah, plenty of stuff, uh, stuff on all the basketball recruiting and then plenty of stuff on fall practice. Uh, I had a piece yesterday looking I had two freshmen outside linebackers, James Pearson and Josh, Joshua Josephs, who uh, I think are going to have a chance to, to make an impact on this team. And even Josh Heibel said today when asked about, you know, do you believe the pass rush has a, a good chance to be better this year? He said, yeah, he went into a lot of reasons. And he said, I think we got a couple of young guys and by the end of the year, we'll be able to help us out there as well. So and I think they're kind of in that list of guys that young guys that when Ball State rolls around, when Pitt rolls around, they may not be playing a ton, you know, a ton more than special teams. But by the time you get to, to November in Missouri and South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys uh, don't play a big role in this team. All right, there you go. Ryan Shumpert, always a pleasure. Greatly appreciate it, and I will talk to you next week. All right, y'all, that'll do it for the Local Hour Part 1 here on the Chase Homes Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Homes Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to read me, sportrenaissancemand.subset.com. Uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash chasemuspodcast. And then, of course, you can get in touch with this very program at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any mailbag stuff, questions for me about the show, anything like that, chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Part two, Preds Power Hour, coming up right after this, so stick around. All right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.